Welcome to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. I am your host, Scott White, and I am joined once again by a good friend, Mr. Sean Thompson. Stop, Sean. Stop waving, Sean. This is a podcast. They're always watching, Scott, so, you know, you got to be careful. Somebody's always, oh, yeah, that's right. The computer's watching us as well. And in this podcast, we're looking at an episode of Home Improvement from Season 8, I believe. Uh, Yeah, Season 8, Episode 7, called Losing My Religion. And in this episode, Dan Aykroyd, he guest stars as Father Mike Weber, a character which he goes on to play in the sitcom Soul Man. And I've done a couple episodes of Soul Man on uh, the Dan Aykroyd podcast. So yeah, so this is the first time we actually see the character of Mike Weber. So this, because uh, I wasn't aware of Soul Man, I can't believe that I missed it. So this was his first appearance as uh, Father Mike Weber on this episode and then from that it was kind of like a backdoor pilot into soul man it was a a backdoor pilot kind of yeah that's basically what this episode is to introduce the character for the soul man sitcom coming up now before we get into this how familiar are you with or were the sitcom home improvement very much so of course it's been what 20 years since i've seen it so i i I had no recollection of this particular episode or that dan Aykroyd was on but i've always been a tim allen fan and i watched it semi-regularly in its original run i was always a tim allen fan too and this is one of those sitcoms like you said it's almost 30 years old probably over 30 years old i'm not going to do the math but i don't remember it 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 just seemed it can't be that long because I remember when this first came out and I was excited to see it because I was a fan of Tim Allen. Tim Allen was from Michigan. I'm from Michigan. And the show was set in Detroit or outside of Detroit. And there was a lot of Michigan references and they brought, you know, a lot of people famous in Michigan on the show. It's just seem, it just doesn't seem to me like this show can be that old, but it is. That's what we got to deal with. Before we go on, uh, I asked you, okay, now you, this is what we you thought of uh, home improvement. Now, can you please, this is showing about religion. What is your take on religion? How do you feel about religion? Uh, if you feel like saying it, if you don't, you don't have to. Personally, I'm a deist. I believe in a non-intervening God. I grew up Baptist and uh, Anglican in England. So Episcopalian, which is what uh, Father Mike is, uh, that was kind of my jam when I came back, so I'm familiar with it. And I got to give him props okay. for actually tackling it on a sitcom. All right, well, let's get right in it. The show opens once again. Heidi, hey, it's tool time. You know what time it is? It's tool time. Tim, the tool man, Taylor. And Tim comes out and he introduces Al. And they are making a housing for a piscina, which is sort of a, a religious sink. Uh, and they're doing this for Al's church. And Dan Aykroyd, he is the Reverend of Al's church. And then they bring out Dan Aykroyd. So it's Dan Aykroyd, Tim Allen, and Richard Karn. And they're all there at the beginning of tool time. And they're all having fun with each other. 
They're going back and forth, and then, like clockwork, Tim breaks to Piscina, and then I we go right into the opening credits after this, after you know this two three minute uh, cold opening. Tim and I are proud to be building something for my church. Thank you, Heidi. This cabinet will become a place for the Piscina. You got to be very careful with your Piscina. They're worth a lot of money, especially the old Piscinas. You got to make sure that Piscina fits in there well. The new modern Piscinas aren't as nice as the old Piscinas, but a Piscina is something you always want to be careful with. You have no idea what a Piscina is, do you, Tim? No. Well, a Piscina is a special basin used in the disposal of baptismal water, leftover wine, and maybe those anointing oils. Anointing oils. Those too. So basically, it's a sink. Well, it's not an ordinary sink. You see, it has no faucets. So it's not even as good as a sink. <laughs> well, why don't you take that up with our special guest? All right. Ladies and gentlemen, let's have a warm tool-time welcome for the minister of the St. Stephen's Episcopal Church, Heidi, my minister, please, Father Mike Weber. <laughs> on the show and I wonder how you feel being the first holy man to ever been on tool time well I'm not basking in the glory <laughs> I just hope I get out alive <laughs> well you don't have much to worry about since you have an in with the big guy and I'm not talking about Al <laughs> well father I was trying to explain to Tim exactly what a piscina is would you care to elaborate it's a sink <laughs> uh, the difference is it's a sink that's been blessed so you need to find a blessed plumber that's hard well, father forgive me i'm overcharged your trap wasn't stuck at all you, uh, you don't need a plumber actually tim you see it's a very simple concept it's a basin with a pipe that goes directly into the ground so that the sacred fluids go right back into the earth the piscina is a thousand-year-old tradition in the church, and it's symbolic of many wondrous miracles. Thank you, Father. <laughs> the most wonderful miracle of all is it's so simple to install, even you can't destroy it. <laughs> well, we'll finish our installation here. Well, we really appreciate this at St. Stephen's. Al, thank you so much for your Our gift. pleasure. We're very excited about receiving it on Sunday. <laughs> Well, is there a special prayer you have when a sacred object is destroyed? Yes, there is. You break it, you buy it. How do you think Dan Aykroyd fit in with these two when he came in at the beginning of the show? When he first came in, I didn't realize, because I went into this with no research whatsoever. I wanted kind of fresh eyes on it. And I had no concept of Soul Man, the, the show. So I thought it was a guest star. And then as it progressed, it's like he's kind of being a Wilson replacement here because... Wilson's obviously mentoring the kid this episode. That's kind of giving him a little bit more power than what your usual. You, you'd have an astronaut come on or Mario Andretti or a guest star, but they'd just be there for the one scene. And, and Dan Aykroyd kept coming back. And then after the fact, I, I researched and realized that he actually was a character in another show. Right. So the insertion kind of felt like not forced, uh, but not as normal with all the other previous guest stars that I'd encountered on, on Home Improvement. You're right. That opening segment is usually only where you see the guest star, whoever he has on that week. He, being from Detroit, he had a lot of like sports figures on. He had members of the Detroit Lions, members of the Detroit Tigers, the Detroit Red Wings. He would have all these 
sports stars or people that were associated with Michigan. They would usually just be on that first opening, cold opening. And usually the cold opening was detached from the rest of the show, didn't have anything to do with the rest of the show. But actually in this one, this is actually the catalyst. This is actually the driving force behind the rest of the show. We cut back to the house and we see Willow Wilson, who is the niece of Wilson who lives next door. She is teaching yoga to Mark and Brad. And I'll admit, I don't remember this character. I don't remember Willow Wilson at all. This is the first, I think this might be the first time I saw her. And then I realized they're like eight seasons in and they're probably trying to freshen. This is sort of a a Cousin Oliver. And if you're old enough, you know what I'm talking about. This is sort of a Cousin Oliver Brady Bunch thing that's happening right here. You beat me to it. I was just about to say they were eight eight seasons in. It was time to bring in the Cousin Olivers to, to keep things fresh. And Willow is this hippie character and she's teaching them yoga. And I think this little thing, this little subplot, if you call it, is just a reason to get the two other sons, Mark and Brad, and to get her into the show. It's very superfluous. It has nothing to do with the rest of the show. If you cut this out, it would have had no effect on the show whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Well, this is when Jonathan Taylor, it's funny how all three of the sons, the actors had three names. You know, you had Zachary Ty Bryan, Karen Noah Smith, and Jonathan Taylor Thomas. That They're either child actors or they're serial killers in the making. But uh, this is where Jonathan Taylor Thomas was getting very Disney-fied. This is post-Lion uh, King. So obviously they were giving him more screen time, kind of at the expense, I think, of the other two. Yeah, I would agree with that because this episode is really Randy-centric. He is basically, in most of the, in most of the sitcom, it revolves around him. And I'm going to say this. For most of the sitcom, I just wanted to punch him in the face. Because even though he's doing good throughout this whole sitcom, but to me, he was like, he was woke before woke. He is just complaining about everything in the world. And he's only this 15-year-old kid, and he's like, this is bad, and that is bad. And he can't even, like, he, in this episode, he's, he's volunteering at a hospice, which is a great thing to do. And his dad, Tim, is like, oh, I think that's so cool about, you know, you're volunteering at a hospice. And Randy's like, dad, it's not cool. I'm doing it because the healthcare system sucks. It's like, your dad is giving you a compliment. Your dad is proud of you. Just accept the compliment and move on. Absolutely. And I know that um, the Jonathan Taylor Thomas, I think shortly thereafter, left and did not even come back for the final episode. And I, I remember watching that and the whole, is he going to make a, a, a guest cameo? And I know that Tim Allen, who rarely says bad things about anyone, was very coy with saying, well, he's he's off to go do his thing. You know, he, Tim Allen wasn't effusive with wishing Thomas well in his further endeavors. I do believe... Jonathan Taylor Thomas came back for the last episode, but you are right about that because I believe, uh, because in real life, Jonathan Taylor Thomas is on the left and in real life, Tim Allen is on the right. So I believe that there was a lot of political friction on that show. So I think that's why Tim Allen didn't wish him the best when he went off to do his new thing. There was a lot of political butting heads on that show. 
Now, I think they've made up since then because Tim Allen had his other show, Last Man Standing, and Jonathan Taylor Thomas has made a guest appearance on that. So I think at this point they might not be the best of friends, but I think they have made up and have a working relationship right now. I got that same sense. He didn't have to have Ta- uh, Taylor Thomas on Last Man Standing, and he did. And I, I actually read into that a lot that, okay, maybe they've mended fences. So we go to the hospice. Randy is there. He's ready to work. And then he runs into Wilson. Wilson is there dressed as a clown. And this is one of the few episodes where Wilson is not stuck in the backyard with the fence hiding his face. This is one of the few episodes where he's like out and about, like participating in the real world. And I thought that was sort of a nice, sort of a cool thing to see, just to see Wilson outside of his regular habitat, if you will. Again, eight seasons in, the formula was wearing a little thin. I, when I watched this episode, I realized how much of a chintzy, stereotypical live-action sitcom this was. You know, it was almost indistinguishable from a Latter Days, Happy Days episode. You know, having to wait for the audience to go, woo, um, and staying character, uh, standing to where everyone's facing the camera, the social awareness. It was just, it really felt like it was a sitcom that was eight seasons in. And they were trying to mix it up whatever they could. And it's like, okay, we've had Wilson and 500 episodes be behind the fence. Let's put him in clown makeup now. Maybe tomorrow we'll put him in a, you know, Halloween mask or something. So he's there entertaining children. This is where I was a bit confused. I thought a hospice was just for terminally ill older people. But is a hospice for children as well? You know me, I'm a grammar nerd, Scott. And there is no such thing as a hospice it's not a building hospice is you go into hospice care uh it's a hospice care facility but um hospice is is something different it's for those who are terminal however if you're no longer terminal they can take you off of it my own father was in hospice for a while and then didn't die and was comfortable so they took him off hospice and he may go back in one day uh but uh, and so it's primarily elderly people. I think Wilson was there young or old. He just wanted to seltzer them and, and squeak his bike horn at them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what separates hospice care from palliative care, which is more of kind of making you comfortable, um, easing your pain, whereas hospice is kind of preparing you for this is the end of your life. And that's your medical PSA from Sean. So while at the hospice, we meet the woman that Randy is supposed to be hanging out with. There's two people come in, and one's out of breath, and one is fine, and Randy goes up to the one that's out of breath, and it turns out she's the nurse, and it's like your typical sitcom joke. It's like, what? This elderly woman in good shape, in a hospice, able to take care of herself? I wouldn't, I don't think I would ever known that. So it was very obvious sitcom-y joke. And the woman who played uh, the old lady in the hospice. I got her name written down here. Let me look it up. It is Elaine Ellen Heckart. E-L-I-E-E-N-H-E-C-K-A-R-T. And she is one of these character actresses. You have seen her in everything. I was trying to remember what I saw her in, and then I remember she was in a couple of episodes of the Mary Tyler Moore show. And she played Mary's aunt, and in the show, she was romantically connected to Ed Asner, Lou Grant. So that made me think of this. So this woman, she has been on two sitcoms that I know of, 
Home Improvement, and The Mary Tyler Moore Show, and in both those sitcoms, an actor has played Santa Claus. Tim Allen played Santa Claus in The Santa Claus, and Ed Asner played Santa Claus in Elf. So there we have a sixth degree of separation from Santa. They go back to her room. She's showing Randy around her room. You see a picture of her son and daughter, and she's like, my son and daughter, they asked me to move in with them. But I said, no, I'm independent. I'm going to stay here. And she actually makes a joke. She says, I'm going to stay in Detroit until the Lions win a Super Bowl. Which is, this was in 1998. And the Lions not have, not only have they not won a Super Bowl, they haven't even been to a Super Bowl. In fact, the other night, they were eliminated from the playoffs once again. So, being a Lions fan, this is sad that it's 2023 and this joke from 1998 still sta- still works. Yeah, they always take a chance when they do that. I remember the X-Files, the uh, the cigarette-smoking man says, you know, as long as I'm alive, the uh, Buffalo Bills will never make the Super Bowl. And uh, one year they did. Oopsie. So, Randy comes back home and he's happy. He's like, I had a great day at the hospice. Man, she is so great. She's so full of life. And then we get... And then Tim's like, well, Al's invited us to go to church, his church on Sunday, so they can christen the new religious sink. And Randy's like, I don't want to go to church. And, and so, to, so to go back, while Randy was talking to this woman, he like he goes off on everything. It's like, I hate Medicare. I hate the medical profession. I hate religion, or organized religion. It's like he just, he every single social Anything he he just has an opinion on, he he ticks every social box, and social awareness is a great thing to have. But sometimes you just want to say just just lighten up, all right? Just lighten up. It's like yeah, things are bad sometimes, but you can, if you live your life that way, you're just going to be a a miserable person, which it looks like he's starting to be in this. Because if somebody is socially aware all the time, they're gonna that that makes them a dislikable character, and that's what it did to Randy for me in this episode. I find Randy a dislikable character in this episode, even though he's standing for all these things that are good. I, I, I the the message is is lost on me because I don't like the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. Well, guess what? I'm shooting the messenger. And Tim's like, we're going to church, and Randy's like, I'm not, I don't want to go to church. And then Tim. He, I mean, he's sort of on the opposite end of the spectrum. He basically says, I think he has the attitude that a lot of people have, is like, I just go to church because I was told to go to church. And I think that's why a lot of people, they ask him, why do you go to church? And he's like, look, I just go to church because I was told to go to church. And quite frankly, that might be the worst reason to go to church. And it's always, you know, as a parent, I got to say, and a grandparent too, so I I spoil the other side. Uh, You know, it's a fine line you walk because, you know, there's a reason, in my opinion, you can't vote till you're 18 because, you know, there are a lot of uh, decisions that, you know, you don't want to come down one side or the other too much. And so to some level, it's a parent's job to say, hey, listen, yeah, go to church until you're old enough to make your own decision. You know, I'm, uh, I'm exposing this to you. So I see both sides of that. What I think the golden opportunity that was lost, and I think you nailed it at the beginning when you said that uh, uh, Willow and the two other brothers, you know, they're there. They were just plugged in. They that shouldn't have been there because the natural progression would have been to talk to Willow, who's all very spiritual, but not religious. And she could have done the whole difference between spiritualism and religion. 
and and pursue that. But they're trying to cram in her and Dan Aykroyd as Father Mike, and I think it was just kind of too many religions in the in a single pot for a 22 minute episode. Now we cut to the set of Tool Time, and Dan Aykroyd comes on, and him and Tim are talking, and Tim opens up to him about Randy about how Randy doesn't want to go to church. And then Tim says, I can't make him go to church. I want to make him to go to church, but I can't make him go to church. And Dan Aykroyd has this very open view of it as a man of the cloth. I thought it was a very open view. And he's like, you can't make a 15-year-old go to church. You can't make a 15-year-old do anything they don't want to do. And as, like I said, as a man of the cloth, that's a very open-minded thing to say because when I was growing up, all I remember is, People who were high up in church or any religious entity would always say, if you don't go to church, you're going to go to hell, which goes back to the way Tim was thinking, where, yeah, you just got to go to church. Doesn't matter why you go to church. Doesn't matter if you believe in going to church. You just got to go to church. So for Dan Aykroyd to have this open-minded opinion about maybe Randy is finding God in other places behind, besides church... I thought that was a really, a really cool message to get across. Uh, Tim, the piscina looks great. Thanks. I hope that you and your family come to the dedication. Yeah, me too. Um, uh, can I talk to you for a minute? Sure. Want me to bless the flathead? <laughs> Not today. I'm having a little trouble with my 15-year-old son. Is it serious? I think so. He's having a little problem with your boss. The bishop? <laughs> the boss S Springsteen <laughs> his boss oh oh yeah 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 he doesn't want to go to church anymore and I don't know how to make him make him go I got a teenage son can't make a 15 year old do anything so I'm afraid of and if I don't try then the kid may wind up on the wrong path well it's like he's been cruising along 275 in a, in a great line, then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he gets off an exit, and there he is on, uh, on Telegraph. Yeah, potholes, permanent construction. <laughs> I used to race on Telegraph. Oh, man, there were some sporting races. I remember one night some kid took this beautiful Chevelle Supersport, a 67, and he just corkscrewed <laughs> off a turn, and he just, the idiot wrecked it. I mean, I, I was there, I was there, yeah. You know, it was a cherry car. I mean, the guy built it, he must have built it, but he couldn't handle it. You know, no, he no, 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 he could handle it. Look, it wasn't a six, it was a 68, it was a Nova, and the kid did all, let's talk about Randy for a minute, can we? <laughs> now, the one thing I did like about that conversation is it's take place in Michigan, so they were talking about growing up in Michigan, and they do, and they talk about uh, 275 and Telegraph, and I'm like, I know exactly where that is. <laughs> so that was sort of a, a little rush for me. It's like I I grew up near there. I know exactly where they're talking about. Yeah, and it didn't talk because I've never been to Michigan in any way, shape, or form. But I got a sense of the uh, you know when Ackroyd's saying, oh, nonstop construction and so forth i got it every town's got their own version of uh telegraph i think was the name of the road and telegraph is still under construction so here's another joke i was just home telegraph is still potholes and still under construction so here is another joke that holds up from 1998 so we go back to the hospice one last time and randy comes in and uh what was your name the character's name what was the character's name i can't remember it Elaine. So Eileen oh. was the actress and Elaine was the character. So we go back to the hospice again, or the hospice care place, 
and we just see Randy and uh, Elaine playing cards. These are scenes that are just set up to see that they have bonded quickly over a short period of time. We work Wilson back into the show one more time. He comes in in his clown outfit, and Elaine uh, sprays him with his seltzer bottle, gets him all wet from head to toe. But then we go back one last time. Randy walks in the front door, and he can't see Elaine because Elaine, quote-unquote, has taken a turn for the worst. And he can't believe it that you you know we, yesterday we were she was just so full of life and you know he's learning the life lesson and um and i know that this is by definition an episodic series you know you got to reset at the end of every episode uh, for the next one uh but it's funny that this never comes up again you know does randy stop helping with hospice care because this one time because uh, it's it's never to, to my knowledge it's never continued. I don't believe it's continued either. And I believe next season, yeah, he left for college or whatever excuse they gave him for leaving the show. I believe it uh, that he left for college. And this, this action just bothered me a little. It was sort of a pussy move. And I know that may sound a little harsh, but they didn't want her to right out die. A soft way of getting around death. I think the episode would have had a lot more impact if she had actually died and people would have to deal with death and people would have to deal with grief. Here, it's sort of up in the air. We don't really know what takes a turn for the worst means. Absolutely agree. Um, because I, I did notice that when they he's trying to get in and the nurse says, you know, uh, she doesn't want to see you today. Um, she's taking a turn for the worst. And it's not so much that she's gotten sicker. It's affecting Randy more in a... I think actually it's kind of realistic for a 15-year-old. She didn't want to see me. I, I was there yesterday, and now, you know, I'm not good enough to see her because she's having a bad day. And uh, so it's very superficial because it could have just been she was having a bad day. And so there's no follow-up on it, no real emotional impact, uh, and no follow-through with, with Randy about, well, then I'm going to volunteer something more life-giving like, an animal shelter or something. Yeah, so Randy comes home and he opens up to his parents and then they say, well, then his mom, his mom Jill says, you know, maybe you should go someplace on Sunday, you know, where there'll be a lot, where there'll be a, a heavenly presence. And Randy's like, church? And Tim's like, no, tool time. It's okay. To, to go back just a little bit, the one scene that I really did enjoy, and it actually made me want to look into the Soul Man show, which, because on the surface, it reminds me a lot of a British show called The Vicar of Dibley. Uh, but uh, he says, you know, Tim is working on his hot rod and kind of complaining that Randy doesn't want to go to church. And, and Dan Aykroyd, or Father Mike, points out to him, well, what do you do in your spare time? Tim says, I work on my hot rod. And then Dan Aykroyd says, well, what does Randy do in his spare time? Well, he volunteers at hospice. And so the point's kind of driven home that, you you know, church maybe not so needed to be a good person. Uh, you know, and that's where, uh, like, uh, I, I, Randy, I kind of view him as more like a uh, um, secular humanist, where I do good things just because it's the right thing to do, not because I'm afraid of you roasting in hell if I don't. One of the points of view in this episode is from Tim, where he just thinks that you need to do things just to get points with God. 
if you do this, you get a point with God. If you do that, you get a point with God. If you do this, you don't get a point with God. And I think that's how a lot of people live their religious lives. They're just doing things to get points with God to help them get into heaven, which is not the way religion should work. Even though I didn't like Randy and his character in this episode, he's doing everything for the right reasons. He's not doing it to get points with God. He's doing it because he wants to help people. He's doing it because these people need to help. And I know it sounds like a cliche, but if everybody lived their life this way, this would be a much better place to live in. Right. And I think a lot of it with, with Randy, and it gets down to this is a season eight show with Jonathan Taylor Thomas, obviously probably making almost as much as Tim Allen right now because of the whole Disney thing. Jonathan Taylor Thomas working his way up, you know, obviously having good agents as, as he should and and making better deals and probably making a lot more money. So it wasn't the message I had a problem with. It was how that message was delivered by, you know, I personally and of course retroactively. Now I'm just tired of actors lecturing someone of my age how I should feel or act about certain social issues, climate change or whatever, while, you know, they're on their show. And so that, I think that's probably where my biggest problem came with it. I didn't have a problem with the message. I feel the same way. Uh, I, I'm kind of a secular humanist myself. You know, I like to do nice things just because they're nice. Um, but I'm not uh, a dick about it. And I hope I can say dick on this show. Uh, and I kind of felt that Randy yes. was. Another thing about this episode that cracked me up is Tim Allen, in real life, is a religious man. I've heard him talk. I've read some of his books. He is a religious man. He does believe in God. And apparently one of his daughters didn't believe in God. And he, got, and he, he tried to set her straight by saying, God has to exist for you not to believe in him. You can't believe in something that doesn't exist. God has to exist... For you to have the right not to believe in him and everybody pointed out that you played santa claus okay you played a being that doesn't exist yet people still don't believe in him so the left sort of had a field day with that you know him trying to explain god and using the you know using the santa claus reference his santa claus against him and then we cut to the end and then after the credits, the episode ends on bloopers. So I'm thinking, you just ended on this sort of somber note about a woman possibly dying in hospice care, and now during the credits, you're doing bloopers between uh, Tim Allen and Jonathan Taylor Thomas, where they can't get through a scene. They keep blowing the lines and keep laughing at each other. And I'm not saying this is in bad taste, but I'm just saying you're sort of undercutting your message when you follow up a possible death with bloopers. And they were locked into that because that was how they ended most, if not all, of their episodes. But again, with your eight seasons in, I think you can evolve beyond that. I was really surprised. Like you, it was very jarring. Uh, it was like the Peter Sellers movie being there. It's, you know, at the end, you're just heart wrenched, and then it's a whole bunch of bloopers and just takes you out of any pathos you may have been feeling. And I think this time they could have definitely gone with gone without it. And that's it. That's the episode. Uh, losing my religion. So I want so two things. One, what did you think of the episode as a whole, and what did you think of Dan Aykroyd's performance in this episode? I actually think Dan was the high point of it. I thoroughly enjoyed the scene where he has the breakdown of basically what humanism is to Tim Allen. Like 
you, you know, does God really care if it's in church or in a in uh, a food kitchen or or something? That being said, it kind of ranked. He is a minister, and his job is to get people into his church because Episcopalians are, you know, if you don't follow our rights for for your listeners who may not know, Episcopalians are are kind of diet Catholics. They're the American version of Anglican Church, Church of England, that Henry VIII started when he wanted to get divorced. And so it rang a little, a little false. Like, well, you know, you want to encourage a young boy to get in, in the, to attend church, but you know, whatever. Uh, but I really felt Ackroyd was the high point of this episode, next to Alan, who you know I think rarely could do wrong. Um, I would have, if this had not been Jonathan Taylor Thomas, if it had been one of the other two kids, especially the skinny one, uh, Mark. Because he was always the sensitive one. So it would have been more of a, a sensitivity issue and not a social justice issue. And I think Jonathan Taylor Thomas just wanted to make it all about, again, that one scene where he's talking to a, a dying woman about, I'm so upset about climate change and health care and speed limits and and acid rain and and save the whales. And and it's like, guy, pick one. Just, just pick one and, and fix that yeah. one and then move on. Yeah, and she actually comments. It's like, you're a little bitter, aren't you? Because there's this woman. Here's this woman in her 80s who's dying, and she's looking at this 15-year-old kid who's just pissed off about everything. And you know what? I said it before. Social social justice and being uh, awake socially is great, but you can't make that your entire life. If you know anybody like this who's just like this all the time, they will grate on you. Yeah, You will get tired of this person really, really quickly. In fact... It, you know, if they keep bitching about everything, you, it makes you want to go out and commit atrocities like killing a fucking whale or whatever they're bitching about at that time. Just lighten up, you know, have social awareness, but don't let it run your life. That's, <laughs> and that same person, that same that kind of person. warrior yeah. needs to not be, you know, needs to turn it down when he's in a place where someone else is dying. Yeah, just turn it down for an hour. That hour you're there with this woman playing Pinochle. Just let it go for one hour out of your life. And that's it. Sean, uh, what do you want to promote? Where can we find you? Anything you want to promote, now's your chance to do it. Well, you know, Scott, um, I for local people, I run a theater in the Houston area called Points North Theater. And that's theater with an R-E at the end because I'm hoity-toity like that. And you can look it up on, on the internet, pointsnorttheater.org or Facebook. Uh, do a lot of Shakespeare stuff. And uh, also uh, wrote a couple of screenplays uh, for films that are in post-production now and getting more screenplays on on, uh, on the way. So just look me up on Internet Movie Database, Sean K. Thompson, and find out all about me. You heard him, everybody. Look him up. Look him up on IMDb. Once again, Sean, thank you for being on the episode. And once again, we'll see everybody here again next time on the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. Thanks, Scott. To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash Scott White and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. That should help people find this podcast. And no matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast.
in a Cross the Streams media podcast. This is home. It's very nice. Thank you. Is this your family? Yes. That's my son, Stephen, and my daughter, Nancy. They both asked me to move in with them. Why didn't you? Well, one lives in California and one lives in Florida. I hate surfing and old people. <laughs> you know, the worst is old people who surf. <laughs> hey, get out of my pipeline already. I'm surfing here. <laughs> well, I am staying here in Detroit until the Lions win a Super Bowl. They're going to be here a while. I'm counting on it.